This is exactly right. Forgive me for interrupting. I'm Bridger Weiniger, host of I Said No Gifts on Exactly Right. Each week, I invite my favorite people in comedy over to chat, and they always bring a gift. We're coming up on our 200th episode, and every episode is a gem. I have welcomed all kinds of great guests, including Cola Scola, Bowen Yang, Robbie Hoffman. It goes on and on and on. And you don't want to miss the 200th episode with the great Maria Bamford. What does she bring me? Find out April 25th. New episodes every Thursday. Follow I Said No Gifts wherever you get your podcasts. Look up uh, synonyms for murder. Okay, for this podcast. Okay. Oh, for the na- the titles of the podcast. No, no, just in general, we, so we don't say that word as much. Oh, killings. Right. Yeah. Um, being taken out violently. Ass- assassinations. Assassinations. What are we going to name this episode? Do you think? Um, it's number nine. Yeah. <clears throat> nine non lives. It's <laughs> <laughs> pretty much how this goes. Spitballing. <laughs> It doesn't get better after that. <laughs> Never. Welcome, everybody, to My Favorite Murder. Hi. That, that's Georgia Hart Stark. That's Karen Kilgara. I said it like I wasn't sure. I know. That's Georgia. Georgia. Georgia, right? Georgia Hartshurst. The worst is when someone misspells your name in a professional setting when they should absolutely spell your name correctly. Yes. Right? Karen Kilgara with a complicated last name. Yes. Uh, that's happened to me many times. Also, me when too. the also the worst is when people say your last name, and who you've known for years, and you realize that they always thought it was Kilgaris Kil- or Kilgaraf or Kilgaraf. When you're like, well, I wish you knew me more. I know. Hardstock. What the fuck? Hard and stark are two very simple words, yeah. and yet somehow next to each other, people freak the fuck out. People freak out. Although I do do that thing where when I see somebody that I know for sure. Uh, like if I ran into Dustin in right. a bar, I would, in my mind, I'd go, hi, Dustin. And when I would go <gasps> to say it, what if I'm wrong? Yes. Oh my God. I do that too. Except when I see someone that I for sure know, like Dustin, I'll scream their name in front of them because I'm so excited <laughs> that I know them. You know what I mean? Like you want the credit? Yeah. Cause normally I'm like, I don't know who the, f- I know who you are, Yeah. but I don't think I do. And I'm the kind of person that if I mess it up, and the person's like, don't worry about it. I won't stop talking about it. Right. Or worrying about it. Right. Or people, letting me go. People call me Allie sometimes. And I'm like, it's okay. It's not okay. <laughs> it's okay. It's, but it's not. Well, I mean, you should at least get one letter right. The totally. first letter. Totally. Is all I ask. Um, I love that you have that word kill in your name, too. Oh, me too. I, I find it intimidates people. Yeah. We both have kind of like hardcore badass last names. You have a... a like yours is reminiscent of Charles Starkweather, the oh, famous spree killer. Sure. That we're not talking about on this episode, but that we. <laughs> okay. We know what I want to talk about up, up top before we start our favorite murders. Before we start this bullshit. Yeah. Is someone knows something, the podcast. <gasps> yes. Are you, I texted you the other day because I knew you were driving. A I was, long no, distance. I was in New York. I was flying. Oh, nice. Yeah. yeah. And I was like, you got to listen to this. Yep. And I did. All and- of them? All, well, there were only three. Right. There's a new one. 
Oh, is there really good? Yeah. I'll listen to that on my drive home. So this is, I didn't realize it when I started listening, but it's like, it's in, the entire season of this podcast is about one topic. Yeah. Should I read the description? Sure. Because it's good. It's fucking great. On June 12th, 1972, five-year-old Adrian McNaughton wandered away from his family at a lake in eastern Ontario and disappeared without a trace. In season one of Someone Knows Something, host David Ridge, Ridge who grew up in the area goes back and search for answers and I had heard of this case and I'd never cared because I was like he got eaten by bears clearly right. but right. no and the more he goes into it like that's what I like about it is you make up a thing you hear facts from him and then you go well it's that guy or it's this yeah thing. and then he keeps laying down hard facts that he goes out and looks at himself yeah so there's recordings of him walking in the woods testing the echo talking to people who have never talked to anybody about it right who were they there was one guy who was there that when he wandered away and the and police had never spoken to him about I've it never spoken to him. it's pretty it's a pretty great show it's i hope it stays that way so good and and i find sometimes i get a, a little bit impatient and this is sexist of me but when the boys get a little um wistful and poetic about their own thoughts and feelings about things mm -hmm. where i'm just like uh-huh that's the opposite of sexist and i love it because that's always sexist against women fucking getting, being poetic about shit. Good. Well, true, true. But I mean, like, I just have that thing where, yeah, I, I just don't want anyone to be precious, really. But then I find it slightly more sickening if it's a man because, yeah. because of, I've bought into our cultural <laughs> stereotypes and norms. Right. But when this guy does it, I buy it. I feel like he's being sincere. I don't think it's self, self, no, uh, conscious or self-serving. He seems so sincere that it's great. And, and it's clear that he's written out everything he's saying. It's, it's more of a story he's telling and the writing is good. And yes. he tells the story in not a boring way. Like some of the other true crime podcasts do. Right. The music is a little dramatic at times and the soundtracks, the sound is a little dramatic, but he's Canadian. But it's so okay. they have a sincerity. Oh, totally. That they don't fear that here in America is almost not allowed. Right. And I like to I like to indulge in that with yeah. a Canadian man every once in a while. I love this podcast. It's our new The Simpsons, what we talk about at the beginning of every <laughs> <That's> episode. Right. <laughs> which of course means the people versus OJ Simpsons. Yeah. Not OJ Simpsons? OJ as many OJ Simpsons <laughs> as it takes to discuss <laughs> I mean, it. Let's... Although the last episode I have to say, the one about the jury was not so I feel like I loved it. You did? You didn't like it? I mean I loved knowing I didn't know any of that I stuff. I didn't either. But How, it, what a fucking bummer to be stuck in a hotel and you can't speak to anyone or for months eight months and then they didn't treat them well no uh, no it was well it was it was good in that it was um kind of riveting but it was riveting in it almost like in a uh telenovela way yeah it was ridiculously dramatic it kind of took us off the um track that we were already on with all the episodes it felt like we were all, we're moving forward and this one didn't really feel like it was moving forward no but it, the other thing i like it felt very different yeah but i also loved marcia clark and her new hair she looks hot right she looks great in that hair and also she was so badass in yeah. this one there was no she didn't do any like rim tears on the rim of her, no. her eyes or putting her head in her hands she told uh she told what's johnny his Cochran. johnny crockerin to go to the playground or something or what was it the yeah. daycare go to daycare because this is the smoker's lounge yeah and i was like okay that, yeah. if that really happened which it probably didn't i'm so happy about i feel like it could have it could have i mean by that point she's so pissed so many things like dna evidence got completely ignored. no i mean i feel like today that wouldn't happen no no one knew what it was. Yeah. What I'm loving more than anything is um, David Schwimmer's character, like, realizing his friend is a fucking murderer and him apologizing to his wife. Yes. That 
that his defend yeah his defending a man who murdered her best friend yeah what a bummer what a terrible no i mean yeah i wonder if he had quit the trial would would he not died of cancer would he not have died of cancer and would have oj gotten off probably not oh oh you mean during it sorry yes yeah i see what you mean yeah yeah yeah, I mean, no, that would have been bad news. Exactly. So maybe that should have been his, his like non-statement statement that he's like, I can't support this anymore. Yeah, except for that, then you're basically choosing how a person's life is going to go. Yeah, but but defending him, you're doing the same thing, or you're trying to I at least. Know, Georgia, <laughs> it's so heavy. <laughs> There's a lot of decisions in life that one has to make. <laughs> and it's not until they make a dramatic reenactment TV show 20 years later about it that you realize the decisions you should have made. Yeah, I mean, please live your life like you're going to be reenacted right. in 30 years. And do you want someone of as high quality as Sarah Paulson to portray you? Yeah, or then do you need you to want... live your life like like Sarah Paulson could be yes. your you. A quiet nobility. Right. A single tear. Or do you want John fucking Travolta being the most flamboyant, incredible character since Behind the Candelabra? And maybe even I better. Love it though, but I don't mind it. Like it oh, I love it. It doesn't bring me out of it. I never think of John Travolta. I believe him. I, I do too. I, I don't know if Robert Shapiro is like that. I have to assume he's somewhat like that in personal situations, and I, I love it. I'd like to sing... The, a tune of praise for the very unsung Nathan Lane is F. Lee Bailey. Nathan Lane is F. Lee Bailey. Great. And yeah, Nathan Nathan Lane. Who knew he'd be in this? I yeah. got so excited. Yeah, he's he's un, almost unrecognizable, be, not only because of his wig, but because he. Re, I just believe it's that guy. I do too. And F. Lee Bailey is such a noble character that it had to be played by someone excellent. Yeah. And Nathan Lane is a beloved actor, perfect for that role. Right. Oh, guys, we if you're it. not watching it, we've ruined it. If you're not watching well. it, you're, you've ruined yourself. You've, <laughs> you've ruined it for yourself. There's nothing more we can ruin in your life. Mm -mm. Um, how's it going? Everything else all right? Oh, yeah, everything's good. I'm not murdered yet. Uh, I'm fucking... The Facebook group is, like, near and dear to my heart at this point. The Facebook group is making me regret leaving Facebook. Uh, if you want to sign up a fake account, fake name, I will not out you. But it is such a it is such a pleasing place to go when I have insomnia and just talk to... Like, everyone is so fucking cool. I I comment and I, and I post things and I read everyone's posts and it's just, like, really fun. And the, the discussions we get into and the comments people make, everyone's nice. There hasn't been anything racist or mean yet. <laughs> I haven't had to kick one person out, which is like shocking for Facebook. I thought we were really big in the racist community. <laughs> Damn it. Well, we are. They just keep it quiet. They're, oh, yeah, they behave appropriately. Yeah. Uh -huh. And there's 50, this is our ninth episode, and there's already 1,500 people in the Facebook group. Fuck yeah, you guys. Thank you. It turns out everyone needed a place to talk about murder. Well, it is fascinating. Yeah. It truly is. We actually, somebody at work today, started talking about H.H. H. Holmes. And yeah. literally in my head, I had to say, like, a teacher, don't say anything, Karen. Let her tell her story. Don't be a know-it-all. Don't. I, 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 like, had to press yeah. my lips together because all I wanted to do is be like, ah, ah, and, yeah. like, just jump all Don't over. you want to be like, murder is mine. Yes. Like, I'm the one who talks. You, you don't get to talk about murder. I yes. talk about murder. I think, though, that's, a, <laughs> that's kind of a good lesson just in general because I think I've been that way about more than murder Me all too. of my life. It's I'm a know-it-all. thing. Not to be like, but it's like if someone brings it up themselves, let them tell let, the story. 
let them have it. You murder doesn't belong to you yep. or whatever it is doesn't belong. I'm this. I'm not telling you. I'm telling myself because this is. I totally agree. <laughs> oh, that wasn't to me. Okay. No, that was to me in any conversation. Oh, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. mm-hmm. not. Oh yeah. Well, did you know that? Yes. You know, or it's like, so hard. And then when you're like, oh well, and you like bring up something that that compares to it, you just sound like an asshole unless you're you're sincerely wanting to bring up another murder you're yeah. you instead of saying like well this is how much i know about it which i do all the time yes we could this podcast could also go into the areas of etiquette general etiquette well i do it in this podcast too of not wanting to speak over you like i just did <laughs> no oh, but it's for it's fine with me okay well here, i don't with want you it. and i okay well not wanting to speak over you also not wanting to be like yeah no i know that murder you're about to talk about <laughs> but it delights me when you do that i think it's hilarious there was one you had that i that I kept trying to add to and kept telling myself to shut the fuck up in my head because <laughs> it was so obnoxious. But it's hard for me. It's hard when you read a thing by yourself and you're like, there is a man in Chicago during the world's fair that built a basically built a murder hotel. And right. I'm just finding out now. And I read it with what I imagine other people read like books when they go to college. I read it with the same enthusiasm yeah. and kind of like absorption. So then when if somebody else starts talking about it, I want them to know that I know, like I want them I know. to know. To know that you're cool. I guess, yeah. and our, Yeah, like that I, I want to like scream and grab each other's I shoulders. I want that feeling with people I don't know. That I do too. And I want them to know that I'm on the level with them and we can have this conversation instead of like, and, and also like, I'm embarrassed. Like, don't keep telling, you're going to keep telling me about it. And then you're going to find out that I have a true crime podcast. And you're like, why didn't you say anything that you knew about this? Especially really the book, the devil in the white city. Yes. That's all- what we were talking. Did about. you read that? Have you read- but that's- no, yeah, that's it. It's that's like- what we, I had to wait till she was done and then kind of like take a beat. I was really using it as like an exercise. Yeah. And then someone goes, I think they're making a movie. I think there was a book. And then I was like, don't devil say it the city. second the words out of their mouth. And then I was like, that's right. It's called Devil in the White City. <laughs> yeah, but then if I were the girl who brought it up, I'd be like, wait, so this whole time you've been letting me mansplain something to you and you knew about it. But also sometimes mansplaining is just talking. Sometimes we, sometimes people get to talk to us knowing something and we can accept that. Yeah, and we don't have to know. We don't have to tell them. But I know. Yes. You don't have to. I know everything. Yeah, we can be not in the position of victim or somebody that's being oppressed. You can assume that person doesn't have the power to oppress you and you're just being polite. Yeah. And letting them, letting them be a know-it-all is an okay thing to do. But then they're never going to get to know you because you, di- <laughs> you didn't tell them that you know shit. That's very true. But I'm also, this is a work situation yeah, where yeah, I yeah. can't, I have to let my personality personality out bit by bit because right. it's a lot. You can't scream in someone's face. Yes. Yeah. I love murder. As my mom used to say, you're too much. And she meant it very literally. <laughs> yeah. Well, we're a lot. And that's why we have a true crime podcast. We're a, a lot. murder podcast. We could, yeah. This podcast could literally go for four hours. Yeah. That's why we're friends is because the first time we actually hung out on our own, we had a five hour lunch. Yeah, we did. Just talking. And the whole time I kept thinking, am I the only one that wants to stay here? Right. She's trapped. <laughs> right. But we, it was clear that we were both voluntarily eating lunch for five hours. Yeah, and the conversation flowed. It wasn't one-sided. That's right. Um, I think. I think. Do you, speaking of we one-sided. We still have our doubts. <laughs> <laughs> we are good. We are great. Anxiety is real. Uh, speaking of one-sided and talking about a thing. Yes. Do you want to do your favorite murder? 
I think I you're do. first. Do you want me to go first? Yeah. So we tell me you picked this. Uh, you picked this. You told me this week's theme in a way that I already knew that you knew what you were doing. Yes. <laughs> I read I what they call reverse engineered this week's theme because I had to do this story because one of our now I'm afraid I guess I'll say his first name and last initial because one of our listeners uh, DM'd us which I adore he DM'd us like so as not to embarrass I think but he was like how could you have talked about the exorcist and right. not talked about this and sent me a link and all this stuff and I wrote back in all caps holy shit how did I miss this so that's where mine started so then when I um, talked to Georgia I was like can this week's be like hiding in plain sight or murders that like it, they were right there the whole time okay kind of thing uh, because in the exorcist one of the biggest stories and i swear i looked at over five websites about my exorcist <laughs> cursed um movie set that is which was my thing last week if you didn't hear it um but brian b uh -huh. our uh listener sent us his dm because there was a guy in the exorcist and he was the guy that played the radiologist radiologist something's wrong with my mouth this words week. radiologist assistant in the scene we talked about that I said was so creepy where she was in that crazy machine getting like the yeah. MRI. Um, the guy that plays the assistant in that scene turned out to be a serial killer. No. Yes. Like a serial killer, serial killer. A legit six victim, straight up <gasps> New York in the 70s serial killer. That just reminded me of something when I gasped is that there is a thread on the Facebook group that every time I say, holy shit, you have to take a shot. <laughs> Or when I say no, or when I got like, there's certain things. And then when you say, when you sing a word, like a thing, like, yes, it is. You have to take a shot. It's pretty hilarious. Oh, it's very no. lighthearted. It's not in a mean way at all. Oh, no, no, no. Yeah. I, please. Okay. Um, but now I don't want to be self-conscious about it. And do it all the time. Because <laughs> I love when people are so drunk, they fall off their own couch. <laughs> Um, all right. So I, when okay. Brian B sent us this, this very tasteful, uh, DM about a huge thing I missed and I'm so bummed. Um, please don't beat yourself up. I won't, I won't entirely, but talk about like wanting to be an expert and dropping the ball. Well, I blame the first five websites that came up that didn't mention this. They didn't. They didn't. So and nobody would think knew. It would. But yeah, maybe it is like specialized knowledge or something. Um, maybe I just have to go to better websites first. Or, or or you have to like I've been googling weird shit like like the weird, the weird stuff. Not just like so and so murder. I've been googling like deep down weird shit. Have you gone dark web? I I wish I could. I don't know how to go dark web, but <laughs> I really I don't want to. I'm sure Dustin knows. Let's not. Oh, have I'm him sure us. Dustin knows dark web. Look at how excited <laughs> he looks. He's doing the thing when we talk about something. He's like, I know about this. I know, I know. about this. He's doing it. That kind of a do wait. Do you actually like murder stuff like this, Dustin? I'm more affected by it than you are. Oh. I don't, I'm not enthusiastic about it. It really makes my skin crawl. Okay. Oh, okay. So you don't get stoked and excited. You wouldn't be at a party with us and, and stick around our conversation. You'd walk away, probably. <laughs> oh my god i never even thought to ask that what a beautiful thing that you still come here and record this thanks with us. dustin and gave us a podcast to begin with it turns out those headlines those headphones he's just blasting radiohead it's the whole time he has no yeah. idea what we're saying <laughs> radiohead i love it 
Georgia, have you ever been blown away by the most simple dish at a restaurant, like perfectly scrambled eggs? Oh my God, yes, Karen. And then all I want to do is make that dish at home and eat it every day. Well, you probably could, as long as you have the chef's secret ingredient, Made In Cookware. Made In was created to bring restaurant-quality performance kitchenware to home chefs around the world. For years, they've built their business by supplying restaurants and top chefs with high-end cookware. Some of Tom Colicchio's most treasured dishes at his restaurant craft are made in Made In. Whether you're cooking for professional critics or just the critics you live with, your meals will benefit from the quality of Made In products. Like their carbon steel cookware, it combines the best of both cast iron and stainless steel clad, so it's rugged enough for grills or an open flame. It's the MVP of summer cookouts and cook-ins. What I really love about made-in cookware is that it actually makes something like having a Memorial Day barbecue much more convenient because you can keep everything on the grill if you need to throw, say, a pan of garlic up on the top while you're grilling your steaks on the bottom. It's strong enough, durable enough to do that. If you want to take your cooking to the next level, remember what so many great dishes have in common. They're all made in, made in. Save up to 25% this Memorial Day from May 18th through May 27th when you visit madeincookware.com. That's M-A-D-E-I-N cookware.com. Goodbye. There's something about the sound of an old-timey cash register that really takes me back. I know. It sounds like someone is about to hand me an ice cream cone, but it also sounds like we just sold some merch. That's right. And if you're a Shopify user like us, you know that this sound means you just made a sale. Shopify has helped millions of businesses sell their products online, but did you know they also offer the same support for brick and mortar stores? From accepting payments to managing inventory, they have everything you need to sell in person. So give your point of sale system a serious upgrade with Shopify. Shopify POS tracks sales across all your locations. That way you'll always know what you have in stock and where. They also provide reliable tech that fits your unique retail needs, like turning a tablet into a credit card reader. And if you're looking to reach new customers, check out Shopify's marketing tools. They're easy to use and they integrate with all social media platforms. With Shopify, we have a powerful partner for managing our sales. And if you're a business owner, you can too. Do retail right with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period today at shopify.com slash murder. And here's the important note, that promo code is all lowercase. So go to shopify.com slash murder and take your retail business to the next level. That's shopify.com slash murder. Again, don't forget the code is all lowercase. Goodbye. Okay. So here's the, here's the, um, here's the research part. And, uh, and I hope I do this justice, but I'm not going to because I basically did p- only part of my homework. But essentially, this is this is it in a nutshell. I'm excited. The guy's name was Paul Bateson, and he was in real life a 38-year-old X-ray tech at yeah. the NYU Med Center where they shot that scene. Oh, it's called an arteriogram is what she was getting in that scene, which is like the crazy machine that like it's like a looks like a... So, not a centrifuge, but like the thing that where it yeah. spins you in all those different directions. Yeah. It's very upsetting and weird noises. So um, I guess when they probably when they went to like shoot, look, go location scout, he was there. They they cast him because he already worked there and it's knew how to work the machine. Legit already. Right. And what I love is the link that Brian B sent us. The picture that comes up with this article. He looks so creepy. He looks like a d- any dude in the 70s, like kind of forward. His hair is going forward, kind of sandy blonde, um, goatee. But his eyes are like, 
His eyes are drooping like they're melting. So like he, you were like, oh, what a great casting job that they hired this actor. And it's like, nope, it's he's really this is what he looks like. And that's why they hired him from this creepy movie. Yeah. And 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 I don't know. I, I don't know if I mean, that's a little woo woo to think that like his secret life was the reason that scene was so creepy. I actually don't. Oh, this was before. So he went. These murders happened later in the 70s. So I think he he did that first. Okay. Oh, no, sorry. The murder started in 1973. So that was... So he was like on camera having had murdered someone. I think so. <gasps> I, I, shit, I, ha I would have to look up. The movie came out in 73 and was... I, I'm the one that did this. No, you're good. Just keep, pretend week, like you know what you're talking about. I'm just, pretty sure I know what okay. I'm talking about. Um, just own it. <laughs> yeah, I think he murdered... He must have murdered before. Directly. I think he was doing it during and then ended up getting caught after because it was over a period of time. So essentially what happened is um, he uh, so these people started going missing or there was like murder scenes. So the first one was Ro a man named Ronald Cabo. He lived in the West Village and um, he was stabbed to death on his sofa and then his apartment was set on fire. Holy he was 29 shit. years old. Holy shit. That, um, someone take a shot. Well, holy shit, right? Because he's so young. Yeah. And uh, then four days later, so they just think that's standard murder in yeah. New York City yeah. in 1973. Four days later, a man named Donald McNiven, who was 40 years old, and a guy named John P.W. Beardsley, age oh. 53, were both found in Donald's apartment um, on Varick Street. They both lived in the building, but they were in Donald's apartment. Mm -hmm. And again, uh, the apartment had been set on fire. And... Um, Beardsley was actually on the social register in New York and Philadelphia. So he was like some fancy, he had been a Harvard grad. Wow. So, um, and they had no idea. They just looked another, like another bad stabbing murder. I think Beardsley was the one stabbed and McNibbin, uh, McNiven was bludgeoned. Did they, and it was four days later? Four days later. Did they connect the two immediately, I wonder? No, not at all. How do you not connect to stabbing and fires? Because, well, maybe they, they might have, like, noted it, but yeah. in the 70s in New York City, I, yeah. I think there's several murders a day. And they're not sharing precinct to precinct right. murders. Right. Um, two weeks later, the body of Robin Barrero was found floating in the Hudson River. Uh, he had been missing for five weeks. Oh, my and goodness. His, he was still in a leather jacket. He was really um, decomposed, but he had a leather jacket on. And then uh, nine days after that, um, two gay men uh, were murdered. Uh, they, I think they think they were roommates. And their dog, their pet poodle. No. Yes. Um, and from the stuff that was in the apartment at that murder is when they started putting together this is... These are all people who have something to do with the leather community. Okay, I was going to say that that would make sense. Yeah, the leather jacket started, and, and in that first guy, Robert Barrero, or sorry, Ronald Cabo, the picture that they have up of him, he's really young, and he's wearing a leather jacket. So I'm, for, I'm sure at the time it was like, oh, that's just fashion choice, whatever. Yeah. But then person after person, they're probably finding different things. And so by the end, um, uh, they, they got... One of the jackets, they got the tag, and they found it was belonged to a store in the West Village that was completely an S and M store. Yeah, S and M clothing and <laughs> supplies. Le so it was like a leather gay gay boys yes. killing. And so, um, 
that that's when they start to realize, oh, this is gay. But once again, it's just like the freeway murders in L.A. when right. it's a gay community thing or any dis- disenfranchised when it's prostitutes. Totally. The cops are like, eh. Who cares? No yeah. one cares and we're not going to get pressure from City Hall. I mean, I'm sure they could. If it's someone in the community and everyone is who's being killed is in that community that you, you talk to the rest of the people in the community and they're like, this guy's creepy and has gone home with all of these men. Right. It's pretty simple. No, it's not. I mean, I'm sure it's not that simple, but it seems like simple, but, but it's the thing of what people decide to value. Right. So people, if the people in power don't value your life or your, what you do in the community, if they actually think you're gross or bad or judge you morally, then they won't try to help you or they won't feel any, you know, burning desire to find your killer. Well, they say, I mean, this is what they say. And I've totally. So they say you're living a high risk lifestyle already. Yes. Are you living a high, high risk lifestyle? Well, then are you a prostitute? Are you a drug addict? Are, are you living, you know, in a gay community where you're around a lot of strange men a lot. Yeah. That's a high risk lifestyle and they yeah. care less about you. Yeah. Because they think you kind of, living a high risk lifestyle means you kind of deserved it. It's you brought it on yourself. I'm not saying I'm not saying I think that, but of course not. Right. But, but it's an excuse. I'm sure when cops see, you know, it's New York city in the seventies, they saw probably 20 murders a day. Yeah. So you're trying to somehow prioritize these things or, or, you can't put your heart and soul into every single thing that comes across your desk. Totally. But so, but I'm sure it got very easy to start marginalizing yeah. the deaths of these people or to not put things, you know, yeah. put things together. Yeah. So anyway, they start, body parts start <laughs> washing up on the shore of the Hudson River. So there's like, there apparently there's a gay cruising spot um, by the Hudson River piers mm-hmm. and that's where... Um, different body parts uh, oh wrapped in garbage bags start showing up. And so they, putting all this together, um, they started calling the whole case the fag in the bag oh, killer. Oh, wow. And so you can tell by that, you know, <laughs> yeah. uh, obviously there's not, there's not a lot of sensitivity back then no. anyway. But that's basically their attitude about all the stuff that's going on. Wow. Um, so then a drag performer they said drag performance article but let's call her a drag queen i bet she was a queen yeah uh and her name was tony lee and she was strangled in her apartment in the west village and the village voice wrote a big article about it because she was famous a lot of people knew her and that's when they started to really put together they knew for a fact that after hours and after like the normal bars she would go to leather bars Mm -hmm. and so that's when they you know, we're like, oh, we think we really we're onto something with this like leather theory. Yeah. And then a man named Addison Verrill, who was 36, and he was the film critic for Variety magazine. <gasps> he was found stabbed and bludgeoned, uh, stabbed and bludgeoned with a cast iron skillet in his apartment. And it's so weird that all of them are in their own apartments, meaning that this person was allowed to come in. Yes, that's, that's right. That's what scares me the most. Is like, yeah, I know this person. I I see him around my scene. Yeah, it's pickup stuff. Yeah. It's like it's they're going to they're going to sex bars or going to leather bars, they're, or just you know the seventies. This is like the looking for Mister Good Bar. Totally, era, where everybody was like it was post hippie shit, where people are like, yeah, I'm sexually liberated. It was pre pre AIDS epidemic. Yes. Yeah, where so. it was kind of like yeah, everybody wants to have sex. Let's do this thing. Yeah, there's a lot of trust. Um, 
and especially with they were in this thing I was reading about is like the leather community. There's lots of you know like leather daddies are like really yeah. big muscly men. Yeah. So they don't think anyone's gonna hurt them. Right. They're they're you know in charge. It's all it's very overblown presentational masculinity. It's less of a risk than a woman going home with a man because a man can defend himself supposedly against another man. Yeah. One exactly. Would and also they're like um, that's part of the play, which I'm sure is the other thing the cops were like. You know, this is a little something that got out of hand type yeah. of thing. Because right. what oh, you're right. into anyway. Right. Blame, blame, blame. Right. Uh, so this uh, this um, this uh, journalist named Arthur Bell wrote up this big article after Addison Verrill, um, the, after the story came out that he uh-huh. was stabbed. Because the whole... The whole story about Addison Verrill was whitewashed. They didn't talk about him being gay. They were. It was very like a, t- a terrible murder, but they made it sound sound like a passing like a thing. Random and, murder. And Arthur Bell was like, "There is some a serious serial killer in our community, and we have to start giving a shit. And if nobody's going to give a shit about somebody that's famous, like yeah. you know, like this is our chance or whatever." So he wrote a big, huge article for the Village Voice about. Um, you know, pe- that people needed to start, like real police work needed to start going into this because people were very afraid. Mm-hmm. And then he got a phone call. No. Arthur Bell, this journalist, he gets a phone call from a man who t- tells him, I'm the guy that killed Addison Verrill. And we were together. I met him at a bar. We went back to his apartment. And while we were, at, like, after we had sex, I had an epiphany, and I realized this was not a reciprocal relationship. He didn't love me. He didn't want to be my boyfriend. He didn't want to get married. And um, I wasn't getting anything I wanted, and that's why I killed him. And he tells him a bunch of specifics, including that there was Crisco all over the scene Uh, of the crime, which was a very common lubricant that people used back then. But that had not been released to the press in any way. Right. And so uh, Arthur Bell calls the cops and Uh says, I just got this phone call that was crazy. I figured I should tell you. And he starts telling them these details that no one else knows besides the cops. And the cops know this is the real guy. Holy crap. So he talked to the real killer, which is insane. So then uh, Arthur gets a call from a guy named Richard Ryan who said he also knew who the killer was because he had um, met him and talked to him. And this guy had basically told him, I think he said he met him in AA or something. And Uh he basically had been trying to get sober and uh, had admitted to him that like he had killed Addison Verrill. Wow. And so, um, but that's the only one he admitted to killing. That's the only, yes. Um, So he, this so Arthur Bell takes that information, goes to the cops, gives them the name, and that's when they go and find Paul Bateson. And after they arrested Bateson, he was in Rikers, and apparently he was bragging to everybody in there that he not only killed Addison Barrel, but he was killing, uh, quote like a bunch of gay guys f- just for fun because he was bored. Holy shit! And so then just for fun because he was bored. Yeah. He's just trying to impress, impress people. But Go obviously bowling, he was, dude. He, <laughs> he was cutting people up, wrapping their parts in bags and dumping them oh in the river. So they think he's actually, <laughs> they think he's responsible for way more murders. But he would only, yeah. cu- he only, he pled guilty to the Addison Verrill murder, got 20 years, and he got out in 2004. 20 years from just. For stabbing, bludgeoning murder. Just because you got sad that someone didn't love you. 
dude. Who? Oh, you mean the murderer? Yeah. Oh, yeah. No, yeah, you got bummed that Addison didn't love you. Well, but you know this. I mean, he's probably psychotic or, you know. Yeah, but it's so weird. Like, so an un... What's the word I'm thinking of? It's not like they got in a fight. He just killed him. And he only gets 20 years. Yeah. That bothers me so much. Well, he's crazy. He clearly can't, you know. I know. What's he going to have another relationship? And I then just what, hate... How's he going to deal with that? I hate that there are people like that out there. Yeah, there's lots of them. I don't... Um, so, but here's the interesting thing. So William Friedkin hears about this, mm-hmm. finds out that an extra in his movie was a serial killer, goes to Rikers and starts interviewing him and then decides, and, and um, in the meantime, somebody else, I don't have the author's name, wrote um, a book called Cruising, which mm-hmm. was about a serial killer in the 70s leather scene hmm. in New York City. Mm-hmm. And so Friedkin goes and talks to Paul Bateson and then decides he's going to direct the movie. No way. And so there's a movie called Cruising starring Al Pacino <gasps> about a cop that's going undercover in the New York City leather scene to find a serial killer. Did you did you watch it? I have not seen it. I wonder if, you, I wonder if it's easy to find or if it's one of those. I like... think it is. It's Well, it's kind of infamous because it's incredibly... It's 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 very homophobic. It's oh, very bad. Yeah, like it basically says the all these people are deviants without morals and would kill you right. and kill anybody. And there's a lot of bad stuff in it. And when um, the gay community found out that they were shooting this movie in New York City, they all it basically galvanized the the gay rights movement. And they would go down and like protest the shooting the while while they were filming. Yeah, so they would go down with whistles. They were they were holding up like mirrors and That's making awesome. light go into the scenes or whatever. Um, That's great. But they ended up shooting it anyway. They got it done. And when it came out, everyone was like, this is the worst, you know, like up until that point, yeah. most gay men in film were like, oh, you're the kooky butler that right. has no real life or personality. And they don't actually say you're gay. They just imply it. You're just a joke. Right. You're just a joke. Right. And now you're not just now you're when you're not a joke, you're a murderer who deserve and who and a murder victim who kind of deserves it. You're a victim. Exactly. And you're everything about your life lacks all morals. And you're just you're basically yeah. It's- How much more real would that whole story be if if the person, the murderer, it had nothing to do with the fact that he was gay. He's just a fucking psychopathic murderer. Yes. You know? Yeah. But I mean, yeah, it's just the whole thing is uh, is super awful. There's a great movie called The Celluloid Closet, and it's a documentary about, um, you know, all, like gay people in Hollywood and... Um, and all and the treatment of mm-hmm. them and the and basically the way they've been presented and seen it's pretty cool. fascinating and they talk about cruising it's really good um i think that's it i i had something else but i'm sorry my cats are attacking each other next to you and that's amazing that's it so tell me his name again i want to go paul bateson is his name i want to go back and see that scene where there's a fucking real life serial killer i know it's really good. It's very, very creepy scene. Now, I, I should have watched... I just didn't have time to watch Cruising, but I also yeah. know it's incredibly depressing. There's no point in you watching that. And I also read, like, reviews of it, and apparently it doesn't... It's not very cohesive, and it was initially um, rated X, so they had to pull out all these scenes because there's all this, like, you know, kind of intense leather yeah. scene shit. And they wouldn't... The um, MPAA, or whatever they're called, would not let William Friedkin... So basically when he had to edit it, it came out way shorter and almost nonsensical. Oh my God. Yeah. Man, people always talk about wanting to go back in time, which I totally fucking do. But the 70s, even the 70s, the 80s, the 90s were so 
racist and homophobic and fucking sexist. Would you really want to go back? I mean, that's the thing. It's just this, it's, the more we talk about stuff like this, it just becomes this like humanist thing to me where it's just like we have, people have to, I mean, it's separate from mentally ill people who just like have to murder or whatever. But it's a thing of like, we have to look at each other as human beings. Yeah, It's crazy that, you know what I mean? We always want to go, oh, those people, they get what they deserve. Or it's like, are you fucking crazy? Yeah. But if something happens to you, you don't deserve it. Yeah, someone could, you and I could be, in a category that someone a lot of people out there would say that about for whatever reason because we're women because we live in los angeles because you know whatever the reasons yeah so people could say that about you so why would you say that about other people right it's just i don't it's just lame it's just i don't know (laughs) i don't know (laughs) at the end of all these stories i'm always like that's lame i'm sorry i brought it up I brought it up. It's, it's a rough one. It's, it's called My one. Favorite Murder. I'm sorry I brought I'm it up. I'm sorry I brought it up. <sighs> I'm not. Yeah, there's something uh, There's something fascinating to the idea that, that there's just like a person in a horror movie that's also living, is is walking the walk. I wonder if he in his, I wonder if he in his twisted brain was like laughing at the irony of it too. I know, I wonder. He's apparently a very bad alcoholic too. So he claims so he didn't remember a lot. He's still of alive and he's out. Yeah, oh yeah. I think he's died since. He got out in 2004. He was living in upstate New York. What did he do after? Just chill and make breakfast? Did he make breakfast for himself every day? Yeah, this... he just, you know what? He went down to the community center and he... That's <laughs> so crazy. He loved to help with the spaghetti dinner every month. Isn't it crazy that do you, you only have to go door to door and let your community know if you're a pedophile but not if you're a convicted murderer serial killer a convicted serial oh, murderer he was a, that he wasn't convicted for all of them though so yeah just a right. killer just a killer so you don't have to let them know that unless you fondle children right i want to know if someone next to me next door to me is no i don't do i no uh, uh, you know there's pros and cons there is pros and cons it'd be hard to sleep you know it'd be better as if just if sent if sentencing were a little more just a harsh. harsher for the people who will take you out. It's not that harsh isn't the word. Fitting is the word. Yeah, that's right. Oh, Jesus. That's right. Why do I always remember lyrics to songs, Karen, that I haven't heard for years, but I always forget my email passwords? I know, right? It's like our brains only want us to retain useless information, but with 1Password, that problem solved. 1Password is an award-winning password manager that's trusted by families and large-scale companies alike. If you're tired of being the person that everyone texts for a streaming login, hand that honor to 1Password. They let you share logins with people and with groups. With 1Password, you can securely switch between any device type or operating system. That means if you're a family or business that uses both Mac and PC, you won't have trouble sharing your private data. Don't let the name fool you. 1Password does more than just store passwords. It can autofill usernames, payment details, and personal information. And they notify you about potential data breaches. For business operations, 1Password has a dedicated support team that will integrate its security tools into your existing workflow. 1Password saves everyone time. And we all know that time saved equals money saved saved. Your accounting department will thank you. Don't just listen to us. 1Password was named Wirecutter's best password manager and companies like Salesforce and IBM trust 1Password to secure their most sensitive information. So you can too. Right now, our listeners get a free two-week trial at 1Password.com slash MFM. That's two free weeks at 1, as in the number 1, Password.com slash MFM. 1Password.com slash MFM. Goodbye.
Hey, what's your murder drama? Hey, okay, so hiding in plain sight, when you said that to me, I was like, oh, okay. I didn't really get it. <laughs> no, I, I was excited about it because I was like, I was like, so you mean like serial killers who have day jobs? Like, I didn't really understand it. So I was like, but what is Yeah, that's kind of what I meant. Okay, yeah. And you said yes. So I was like, what does that mean to me? Hiding in plain sight. And to me, that meant being, and I'm fascinated by this and how disgusting it is. Uh, you're, hiding in plain sight is being a child who kills someone. Because that's plain, plain sight is being a child. That's and this right. this one is kind of... So I have two similar but very different child murderers that I've always thought about because they're so fucked up. And the first one is... Uh, the murderer is Josh Phillips. Okay. Um, and he killed Maddie Clifton. So do you know this one? No. Yeah. This one is a kind of well-known one, but I just, it's interesting because recently some new information came out about it. Um, so basically in this kid, Josh Phillips was born in 1984. Um, he's from Jacksonville, Florida. And in um, July, 1999, he was convicted of murdering and his eight year old neighbor, Maddie Clifton. He murdered her in November, 98. He was 14 year, years old and she was nine years old. And ha what happened was, uh, Maddie disappeared and everyone, the whole community started looking for her and couldn't find her. And then um, the search ended a week after the disappearance when Josh Phillips' mother went to clean up Josh's room and thought his waterbed was leaking, Aww. which A, don't get your kid a waterbed. It's not yeah, leaking. You're not, you're not like a bachelor. Yeah, what is that? Yeah, way to give your kid fucking back problems and send them to jail at the same time. Because what's more comfortable, the water bed or the jail mattress? I don't know. Um, it's always the mother's fault. It's Melissa. You needed to get this together. <laughs> Upon further examination, she discovered that it was Maddie's body hidden inside, oh. uh, hidden like underneath the bed. And she and fucking kudos to her ran outside across the street there was a police and was like hey this kid you know like some parents i don't know if they would do that immediately or no. they would wait until he came home and and talk i'm like what the fuck and then call the police she was like get the fuck you know freaked yes. out oh that is amazing so uh josh was arrested at school that day and he was held in maximum security so here's what's so fucked up about it uh i he was as a 14 year old he was tried as an adult and convicted to as, and sentenced to life without the possibility of parole. Like adult killers who kill more people in a more fucked up way and sexually assault them are not tried, are not convicted, or are not given such a harsh sentence. Right. Um, and okay, so according to Josh, what happened was that Maddie came next door to play with him um, and despite the fact that Josh wasn't allowed to have people over when his parents weren't home, he let her in anyways. The two were playing, according to him, the two were playing baseball outside. Maddie threw the ball, or Josh threw the ball, and um, it's, it struck Maddie in the, in the eye, causing her to start bleeding. And she started to scream, and Josh freaks out because um, his father is abusive and has a temper, and if he finds out that Maddie's there the fact that she's screaming and got hurt at his house he's gonna be in a shit ton of trouble including being abused uh. so he takes her to his room i don't know if i should even like go into the details because i know people who are listening have children and i don't want to well if you have children and you are listening to a murder podcast but you're gonna get sensitive <laughs> yeah then uh i would go forward f uh, one minute and 30 seconds thank you basically basically she died from stabbing uh 
and strangulation and clubbing with a baseball bat. Overkill. Took her pants off, but didn't, but she wasn't um, molested, which is odd. Also, I was reading something on Reddit that said that she didn't have any, he said he dragged her inside the house, but there wasn't any dirt or sticks or anything on her, on her body, on her clothes, which would indicate that that had happened. So we don't really know for sure. And that's a really, that's, I mean, he tries to get off easy by saying he hit her in the head, but then he goes on to over and tells how he killed her. So it's not like he was, if he was lying about one of them, why wouldn't he lie about both of them? Yes. So he's, it's, he's never going to be free. She was nude from the waist down, but it didn't seem. And so the murder appears to have been motivated by his fear of his abusive father. It's just so fucked up. Do they know that's true? Or would that be another thing he could have been making up? Yeah, we don't like, know that either. Or even that maybe the... Maybe the because I, I watched a couple episodes of, of you know true crime shows where the parents get interviewed. And maybe that was something they made up even to say like, oh no, the father was abusive and he was scared of him. Like, let's give him an out. Yes. So we don't know if that was true or not. Um, well, the thing... I, I think you're right. Him... Especially the stabbing part. Yeah. The stabbing is such a furious and personal thing. He also choked her for 15 minutes. Oh, yeah. That is a long... And it's it's very hard to choke someone to death. I think we all, if you're into true crime, you know this. It yeah. takes a lot longer and a lot more force than you... And that's when you're an adult. That's when you're an adult. Yeah. But he's also, it's, she's also eight or nine, so she's probably a little more fragile. She's. I mean, the thing that fucks me up about this is that she's this little tomboy girl and she reminds me of me as a kid who wanted to hang out with the older boys and play with them and be one of the guys there's a video there's a home video he made that the boy made of this little girl maddie and her sister playing with their new puppy so like she trusted this kid next door she wanted to come over and was bugging him to play with her and as a 14 year a 14 year old did he have like a history of anything not mental no. stuff or no, no mental no mental stuff the dad died in a car accident eventually okay so in 2002 12 recently the supreme court ruled that automatic life without parole sentence sentences for juveniles is unconstitutional hmm. and that ruling entitles phillips to a resentencing hearing also he's super hot now whatever that's just beside the point but let's just put it out there let's just let everyone know that Let's just get those people on Tinder aware. Yeah. So, and there's not a ton of conversation about this murder, like on Reddit or anything like that. So I just thought it was interesting. I do think it's, I, I agree that you shouldn't, that life without parole for a 14 year old is insane. Even though I get it. He, I mean that stabbing a little girl to death and strangling something happened to that boy. Yes. Something very bad happened to that boy. Whether it's a, a psychotic break, whether it was something to, he was terribly abused. Well, there but was like there was an interesting conversation in Reddit and like the one little bit I was able to find where this this per, this commenter was saying, you know, when I was a kid, my dad was abusive and the, all you wanted to do was not get in trouble that you didn't think about what would happen in, in the future if you got caught hiding whatever it was that you were in trouble. Getting in trouble meant the whole family would be terrorized. Yeah. So you do whatever you can to to not get in trouble that moment. And it kind of made sense in a way that was like, she's not dying from this way. She's not dying. I need to kill her at this point and get it over with because I'm going to get in trouble for having had someone over, which is, you know, maybe he was a little, maybe he was developmentally just delayed, but 14 year old 
14 seems too old to think that killing someone was an okay solution to yes, that. Yes, for sure. Also, I feel like hitting hitting someone in the head and being afraid and this is this is just theory obviously. Mm-hmm. He would just hit her in the head a bunch more times. Right. Why not just smack her in the head with a baseball bat? This the other part just gets so violent up close crazy bloody i mean like yeah almost oh like wanting God. to see what happens ha- what happens you know well like, the pan the pants down thing is not good the pants down thing is a very a very it's sexual no matter what yeah so even if he didn't touch her it's sexual yes and stabbing is sexual in that you know in the psychosexual way yeah totally strangling too i mean yeah oh man i mean and when you strangle someone you for the most part have to look at them in the face yeah if you can fucking do that you got some major issues beyond you being scared you're gonna get a belt whipping from your dad yeah yeah and also i mean people always say this but i'll just say it anyway there's you can hear the chorus of people who were abused by terrible parents who are like, I would never kill anybody. Right. So it's not A plus B. Like, I think yeah. that that psychiatric element is absolutely has to be there. Yeah. Because uh, here's the other thing, too. You're right. A mother who would immediately run across the street. Like, obviously, it's insane finding a dead body under your son's bed. Yeah. But the Im- she knew. Yeah. She knew he did it. Like, it wasn't. I don't know. She didn't go. Let's let the cops tell us what happened. She right. went. You have to go get my son. Her right first, now. her first thought was for the girl, the little girl, and her and her family who was waiting to find where she was, and not for her kid, or or for the, for the dad who you know. Because if you find the body, someone in the house did it. You right. might not know it's your son. Right. Her first thought was that I found this the girl. Yeah. She's clearly the victim. Not not my son that's amazing yeah that's that's fucked up there's another one too but maybe i I don't need to get into it do it do it it's just eric smith this the red the like the little the redhead kid he killed his parents no okay so eric smith born 1980 um he murdered four-year-old Derek roby on august 2nd 1993 this is in steuben county new york so eric had eric unlike Josh, had been diagnosed by a defense uh, psychiatrist with intermittent explosive disorder, which is a mental disorder causing individuals to act out violently and unpredictably. Um, he was a loner. He was tormented by bullies. His, you know, he, he was like a nerdy redhead. He, you, you look at him as a kid in court, especially there are these videos of him in court, and he's just this... He, you can tell he's troubled just by looking at him. You yeah. can tell he'd been bullied. You can tell he didn't like himself. And he basically said he took, he took his anger out on, on this little kid, this sweet little Derek Roby, who was riding his bike to summer camp. Um, and let's see, Eric was riding his bike to summer camp. And four-year-old Derek was walking alone to the same camp. He saw, they saw each other. He lured him into the nearby woods. And then Smith, like overkilled the shit out of him Ugh. like so this was on purpose like you know it's it's such a weird thing it's like well these two different things where this kid said that he had to do it because he hit her in the head and his dad was going to find out this kid just straight up wanted to murder someone yeah and i remember hearing this thing about uh, in one of the one of the many fucking true crime shows i watched that he that that uh eric took a banana out of his lunch 
and smashed it into the little kid's face. And later that night, the aunt or someone was babysitting him and got a banana out and the kid freaked out. And I think that's how they figured out who it was. The kid freaked out over the banana. So, so basically, uh, he Smith said that he'd been bullied by older children in high school and that is by his also by his father and sister. And he confessed that he took his rage out on Roby, but was worried that Roby would tell. So he killed him. It's very odd. It's so How old was he when he did it. So this kid was um, Eric was I think he was 14 as well. Oh, wow. I just remember that looking at pictures of him. Mm-hmm. Oh, you know why? Because when I was 14, doing the uh, those two boys that killed their dad, yeah, his he his picture came up all the time, yeah, and he looks so young. He looks he's in a blazer. He doesn't look thirteen. He, he looks like he could be. He looks like he's nine, eleven or twelve. Yeah, nine. <laughs> and he's got those ears that stick out, big old ears. And if you look at him now too, because there's some interviews with there's some jailhouse interviews with him now, or he like he's just so apologetic to the family. He says, "I wish I could take the kid's place." Like he's very very. Oh remorseful about it but even now he looks he looks like um remember the redheaded guy in the burbs who lived who was one of the haunted Mm -hmm. that lived in the house he looks like him now it's just like he doesn't look which is i shouldn't judge someone by the way they look but you know well i mean that's why people get bullied if you look different yeah definitely it's well well, so he's been apologizing through uh, in prison this other kid josh um he has since gone on to he got his he got a degree in par in being a paralegal and he's been working as a paralegal helping other inmates with their appeals so both of these people have like have gone on to try to make amends for their their murder do they deserve to be in prison forever and i'm not i'm not asking like they don't i fucking don't know Right, it really brings, well, it, it makes you come way off the, like, let them all fry. Right. Which is, I, I like to feel that way just because it's very comfortable and, like, a simple yeah. solution. But it's the same reason that I don't, I still can't give anyone a definite answer about the death penalty. Right. I just couldn't give anyone a, an answer. Right. Because I don't fucking know. There's so many different circumstances. I know, it's true. It's it's so, it's much more complex than one thing or the yeah. other. It's, and it's case by case. But... I mean, yeah, it's and it's difficult because I understand people saying like it's wrong to kill and revenge is wrong and like one wrong doesn't make a two right. wrongs don't make a right. I agree. I agree with all of it. But then you hear a story about a dad murdering his child's molester and you're like, yeah, good. A hundred percent. Yeah. Or like you hear about repeat molesters. Yeah. Um, that kind of thing. Or those priests that have molested six hundred children. Yeah, kill them immediately. I mean, immediately. I honestly feel that way. I know. It's just like, what good are you? You clearly don't. This is what you're going to do. Yeah. And what life you have ruined six hundred lives, yeah. if not more. But then you hear, well, he was molested when he was a kid constantly. And maybe if his molester had just been taken out right. with a single bullet. <laughs> I mean, it's so calm. This is why we have this podcast is because if we could talk about this for hours and hours, which is what we're going to do. Yeah. I mean, it's it's so rough. Also, that kid. And I mean, I didn't, it's, I've never had explosive anger, um, but I understand 
like getting in, especially if you do drugs. Mm -hmm. Like when I used to be on speed, I took diet pills for a long time, Mm -hmm. which yes, I lost 30 pounds in one month, (laughs) but 30 pounds in one month. Yes. I had friends who were like, are you okay? Yeah. I'm talking and smoking. Right. Not breathing. But you do have that thing where there's a the weirdest feeling that's so separate when you have like a rage explosion or like a like when you get onto that track and you can't get back off. It's of like it. a panic when you have a panic attack. Exactly. It's like your brain is having a reaction separate from you. And to yeah. be a child trapped mm. inside that, I mean Well I it, and then I under I kind of can't help but understand taking it out on someone else. Because I was bullied as a kid, but I was a little and my brother and sister were you know, fucked with me. Not abusive, but as older siblings as will do. do. And yeah. I'm the youngest, so I can't take it out on anyone else. So right. I just hurt animals. No, I'm just kidding. Wouldn't that be fucking <laughs> hilarious? So I just hurt my cat. No, my God. Um, but yeah, you, you. when my mom would be a bitch, I would get so fucking pissed. It's that thing of punching a wall because there's nothing else to punch. Yeah. <sighs> yes. It's and, and this kid clearly wasn't taught self-control if he was abused by his dad and his sister. He, he was taught that that violence against someone smaller than you is okay yes that's exactly right that's almost like a a larger almost like he i know he didn't do this in any way consciously it's symbolic yeah it's him going here's what we do right here's what we do and here's what happens to me yeah it's gonna go this far the idea of a father and sister being bullying and abusive within a family it's disgusting to me like that's what a terrible sad life that kid had i completely see it you know i think about like the things we i i was bullied but i've said so many shitty things to kids like like the nerdy kids when i was younger and i think about them all the time and what their home lives were like and that i contributed to their fucking their awful lives and it it disgusts me i mean that's the thing too i feel like when you're kids you do these things because you don't have uh you you don't have the a mature sense yeah. of where you belong in the world, what other people's lives are like. I remember right. being like, honestly being like in fifth grade and asking my teacher who was a friend of our family and she would eat dinner at our mm-hmm. house sometime. And I asked her one night, like there's a girl in my class and I was like, why is Sarah's face always dirty? And she mm. was like, because she doesn't have anybody to wash it right. for her. And I, it blew my mind. Yeah. I was like, I assumed every single other kid had the exact same life. I totally. Did. Yeah. And I mean, like for my, my exist, like I was loudly making fun of other kids because I was happy that I wasn't the kid at that moment getting made fun of. Exactly. right. And because I wanted to show everyone that I was part of the group too, that I could make fun of this person too, because I was getting made fun of. And it, it's a hundred percent. Not We've okay. talked about it. I do it to this day of like the quickest way to bond with someone is to figure out who you both hate. Oh, for sure. And that's just human human nature that's that thing of like yeah you deflect i'm not the bad one isn't yeah. that person the bad one yeah i mean that's it's how we do it and it takes a lot of strength and a lot of like it's very difficult to have like w- with human interaction if you've gotten dealt a shitty hand every time mm-hmm. to still be like i'm gonna handle this great to be kind when you're 12 yeah i mean like you it's can't hard enough do it we're- we're 31 and it's hard enough to <laughs> I wish I was 31 girl yeah <laughs> you are Karen's 31 everyone on this podcast yeah I 31 yeah. we could be whatever awesome. um I love it. Drink. <laughs> drink shots drink. <laughs> uh what was I gonna say 
I don't remember. Let's I, let's I, not have kids ever. I They're mean, terrible people. That's the other thing is like that. Um, I remember saying so the last time I was home, I said something bitchy to my niece, who I adore and we get along great. Mm-hmm. But she was just doing something kind of jerky and then i was like just go do it or whatever i said and then she's like all right and instead of like having a sensitive reaction yeah she's learned because she also is the daughter of an only you know her she's an only child yeah. my mother my sister is a single mother yeah and so she's kind of learned to roll with punches for a nine-year-old so much better where i was like oh man because i felt guilty the second it came out of my mouth yeah and i was like if i had like a favorite aunt that like bitched at me, like sniped yeah. at me, it would have hurt yeah. my feelings. But she was kind of like, whatever, dude, and walked away. She's like more of an adult because she's a single, her mother's a single mother and she's a, and she doesn't have siblings. So she acts, her, your, your sister probably treats her more like an adult than a yes. kid. I think she's that, and she's very close to her two cousins who are like two and four years older than her. Oh, so she's right. like, she's kind of like toughened Oof. up a little bit. But it's, that's the other thing is when you, everybody gets picked on in some way you learn that picking on people is a good way to up your own status Mm -hmm. and that there's no other when you're young like that you there aren't options unless you go to some amazing progressive school that teaches you about stuff like that which it doesn't work it's like no somebody's gonna get thrown in in that garbage can and the way to make it not you is to make sure you're not then you go home at night and your parents are abusive too like (sighs) There, it, it bums. Vince always gets sad when he sees kids, because he remembers how you just feel like that this is going to go on forever. Yeah, being you're never going to have control over your life. You're never going to, you know, be able to make decisions on your own. It feels fucking infinite. Yeah, for sure. Well, and like school politics also right. it feels like oh this is my Huge. world these this bully is always going to be in my life yeah this, per- this girl's always going to be prettier than me totally it's all that kind of stuff oh, that totally you it's just the way it, like a teen brain works and or it turns out that pre-teen. we ended up being the coolest ones out there who'd have thunk here's how you be the coolest ones yeah for a really long time you're so not the coolest one. <laughs> yeah. you're severely not the coolest one <laughs> the least coolest one usually becomes either a murderer uh-huh. or the coolest one Yes. Pick one. That's right. It's your choice. It is a choice. It is a choice. It's a path you go down. I mean, down. that's that's what this whole thing comes back around to is it is a choice. And these two boys chose to kill someone and in the moment. But, but I know. Here's this like, I'm just going to play a devil's advocate psychiatrist. Yeah. That's like, if you have explosive disorder, it is you do not have a choice. Yeah. It's like that thing where when I get nervous and my mouth starts talking, then I'm like, oh, no, I'm talking. It's not a choice. What am I saying? And we have so many um, outlets now, psychiatry and psychology and intense therapy to to help control it. But but would you feel comfortable if that person was out in society now? Uh, Probably not. Like, not in my town. Yeah. So I would just be, it's that thing where, like, you know. As a parent, you'd just be so paranoid. Totally. Totally. All right. Well, that's my favorite murder. Can I pick next week's favorite murder topic? I mean, yeah, message received, Georgia. (laughs) It was all your fault, Karen, that I got so dark and deep. So let's, um, do you want to read a hometown murder? I pick next week. So can I? It's like butterflies, (laughs) kittens, something nice. 
butterfly murders? Oh, the butterfly murders of the Philippines. Yes. <laughs> we absolutely can do that one. Do you want to read us? Let's see. Why don't we do this? So you want to read a favorite uh, hometown murder that we got emailed. You can email us at myfavoritemurder at gmail, your hometown murder. We'll, yes. we'll read one every fucking week, <laughs> even yeah. though we get so many. It's incredible. I love you guys. <laughs> and then maybe let's do a quick separate episode of other people's favorite. On the Facebook page, I said, what's your hidden in plain sight? murder oh yeah and i can read a few of those and maybe we can read one or two hometown murders so we'll have a mini episode that'll come out maybe a couple days after the regular one comes out great is that cool i love it okay so why don't you read read me a hometown murder please okay cool this is also another now i'm, I'm getting obsessed with follow-up oh like, i'm getting obsessed with like thoroughness and research and but but i really do genuinely love it so this is a bit of a follow-up but there's much more to it okay and it's from Lily Kay will will say yes. Uh, hi, Karen and Georgia. Can't believe how much you sound like my friend Julie and I when we're together and really get going. Um, I've been obsessed with true crime for so long uh, that I became a forensic psychologist. <gasps> you are a fucking badass, Lily. <laughs> Why not do what you love? There's nothing else in the entire world I'd rather do. And yes, you can intern for me sometime. Yes. Way to go. Uh, I make my husband watch all the true crime shows and now when he gets sick uh, he's convinced I'm poisoned <laughs> like those deadly women of centuries past I love it um, anyway I just found your podcast and your call for hometown crime then I saw you did mine in your second episode bummer but I decided not to listen to it yet and pretend you didn't do it so I can tell you about it I love it Paul Bernardo was mine uh, and like I mentioned it affected me so much that I became a forensic psychologist. Wow. When I was in high school in Toronto, Toronto, the Scarborough um, sub suburb of Toronto, rapes were going on. It was terrifying. The bus company started letting women out at any point along the route at night, not just at stops, so we wouldn't have to walk far from the stop to home. Oh, wow. Our regular gym classes were canceled, and we got a specialist in to teach us self-defense holy shit also there was a guy at my high school who looked more like the sketch of the scarborough rapist than paul ever did and he said he was thinking of changing his hair when the sketch came out but he was afraid that that would actually make him look more guilty <laughs> yeah i would it, and then she put in parentheses it wasn't him by the way okay so just as the rapes um started slowing down we heard about the two girls uh we heard about two girls go missing on the other side of toronto did you know Leslie Mahaffey was actually locked out of her house the night that she met Paul Bernardo? Mm. Horrible. She was a rebellious teen, and her mom picked that night to do some tough love on her when she broke curfew and locked her out. Oh my and God. her mom locked her out. Can I just say my mom, tough love is a, like was a thing, yes. and my mom fucking did it, and it was the worst. In the 80s. Yeah, kids, parents, please don't do tough love on your kids. It doesn't work. Yeah, that's right. Oh, I guess. Sorry. Go on. No, that's okay. It's oh my sad. god! So she locked her kid her out. Her mother locked her out of the house. How much does that woman hate herself now? Oh, I can't imagine. I mean, that is oh. if she's even still alive. No, that is for the, sure. Talk about the worst thing in the world. Totally. A child dying and then you. Oh my god! It's that's a nightmare. Um. Sorry, and then Kristen French was also portrayed as the good girl, and Leslie as the more rebellious. And Tammy, Carla's sister, was basically a forgotten. Um, I know every single detail about this case, but in case you don't want to hear it, I'll get to some good anecdotes. Um, this was going on throughout my entire high school life, the rapes, the murders. Then my last year of high school, they found out it was Paul and Carla. 
Um, so of course I went to the trial. I actually had this college boyfriend I wasn't that into and I made him go with me. <laughs> Poor guy. He was really upset about being there, but I loved it. Paul, um, oh, it says Paul was so incredibly in court. I wonder what she meant. Mm-hmm. Um, when they took his handcuffs off, he wouldn't just turn his wrists to have them removed. He would turn his entire body. Um, it was as if he was trying to look every person in the gallery in the uh. eye. It was creepy. And then in college, a girl in my dorm started dating a guy named Sam who looked like Paul. So whenever I had a couple drinks in me, I'd call him Paul. <laughs> I love this chick. <laughs> uh, I also wrote all my psych papers in college on Paul Bernardo or Car- Carla, abnormal psych class, personality class. I wanted to know what made them tick. What and then she's the second one, but the, it's super long. Yeah. What a terrifying fucking thing to go through high school I mean with. it took up their whole world I mean that was, yeah. was crazy and then to find out that a woman is involved I don't know why like that's a different level because you would see a couple and you'd think I'm safe it's the ultimate we've talked lore. about that yeah episode it's, two was it I think so but that's the reason I love that she gave all those deca- details because yeah. that was the one where I wasn't I was a little fuzzy on my details and that well one, it's so shit that you Lily, it's shit you. you wouldn't know about it's the same thing about watching the Simpsons is that it's information that you know you you watch the whole trial but you could not have known what it was like to be on the jury or yes. what it was like in Marsha Clark's office when her boss was pissed about the glove and that they it was their idea to, to have him try the glove on yeah oh it's just details. and also that like being I love that she loved it so much she went to trials yeah that's amazing. I can't tell you how, like, I've been asking people their hometown murders for years when I'm at, at parties and drinking too much <laughs> and calling people by murderers' names. <laughs> and this is like just feeding, this is feeding me on a level that I can't even handle. You can really put away that voice in your head that says you're weird in any way. Yeah. It's just simply not weird. Because we have an inbox full of hometown murders to, pr- I hope we haven't gotten any, like, Yeah incredible any what sorry i don't know like i wouldn't like you said someone asked us to be on their podcast and our gmail and i like, I wouldn't see it because it's just buried underneath that is there's at least one person but i think there might be more than one we need person. To, we need to give them a different email address yeah um i love it i did uh so i wrote a thing on facebook real quick about and i said um that uh, like a um cocktail trivia like information that i love so mine was that um, that everyone knows that all serial killers don't have three names, as everyone thinks they do, like John Wayne Gacy. It's that John, they use their middle names so that normal people named John Gacy don't, yeah. people don't think that they're the, you know, they don't look them up in the fucking um, yellow pages and say, John Gacy, is that you? No, and it's go John kill them at their house. Wayne Gacy, right? So yeah. I asked people their like cocktail trivia murder facts. And this person, can I read a couple? Please. That DNA was... Um, the DNA evidence was first used to convict a killer in England in the 80s. The killer was named Colin Pitchfork, and he had killed two girls. Wow. Which is amazing. That serial killers are, are apparently obsessive masturbators since they can't attain normal sexual relationships. Oh. Most women who kill when using a weapon will use a knife because it's more personal. Yeah. Uh, many killers start out as peeping toms. Let's see. Um, that is really creepy. Because peeping toms culturally have always been treated very lightly, like oh this kook up in the tree. Yeah. It's, oh, he likes to, he wants to look at 
cute girls yeah. now. It's like, the, you know, Animal House. I've got my yeah. binoculars and I'm looking into this. Right. Story here That's murdery. Like you're you're on your path to murder. Totally. Uh, one more. Uh, Eileen Werner's last words were, yes, I would just like to say I'm sailing with the rock and I'll be back like Independence Day with Jesus. June 6th, like the movie Big Mothership and I'll, I'll be back. I'll be back. She was fucking crazy. And someone re- someone replied and said, which is weird because that was also my wedding vows. <laughs> <laughs> this is why I love the yes, fucking Facebook group so much. Oh my God. Um, okay. <laughs> so everyone's... I'll be sailing with The Rock. Did she mean The Wrestler? I think so. No, the movie The Rock. Oh. I think. Fuck. I didn't know about that. Eileen. Eileen, honey. I, girl. Sweetheart. Girl. Angel. Um, you can so we're at my fave murder on Twitter. Yes. And you can email us at my favorite murder at Gmail and you please follow uh, go to our group <laughs> on Facebook. My favorite murder. It's private, so you can just like talk all the shit you want. But also those things people are making. Did you see the girl on Twitter yes. that was making fake books? No. Well, you know, I'll I'll tell you what, okay, real quick, someone's making someone on the Facebook group made a uh, a murder bingo. <laughs> I saw that. Yeah. yeah, and someone else made me this made this beautiful um, a quote that I said I think last week. It said, uh, "I don't want, I don't want any survivors," and it's like in the background of beautiful flowers and stuff. I saw that. It's I, so good. I, I want them to keep doing that. And of course, the, it looks like um, an inspirational quote, but it's you saying, "I don't want to see any survivors." Yeah, and then of course the um, the dr- dr- uh, the drinking game, which is like. Everyone just keeps adding, like, when they say this, when they do that, when they say this, Ugh. it's, like, the best. I said, I mean, that feeds right into my humongous, deep ego need. No, totally. Um, People are listening to us. It's a, <laughs> it's a girl on Twitter named Thin Izzy, mm-hmm. and she's doing these fake, she keeps writing, read my new book, and oh. this is Don't Burp, the Robert Durst story. It's just stuff we've <laughs> said about people, and she's making it into a book. I love her. Um, or maybe, I think it's things we've said. He definitely killed, like, eight people. I was a teenage Robert Durst and it's like Robert Durst when he was like in his early 20s and it just they look like book covers what a gem well done thin Izzy oh I love this one the staircase part two oh my god it's just an owl (laughs) and then it's he was gay in the south is one quote and a microscopic owl feathers on the other side oh my god and it's like a beautiful photo of an owl yeah that's incredible people are the best it's very exciting I think this is this what we're doing here is just trying to make everyone know that there are there are a lot of murders but there are a lot more funny people and here's the other thing. I remember when everybody started going batshit crazy about, I know I've already talked shit about this on this podcast, but uh, Sex in the City in the, in the uh, whenever it was, late 90s, early 2000s. Mm-hmm. And I was like, has the world gone insane? Who gives one fuck about that stupid show? But yeah. it was like, I'm a Miranda. Right. I'm going to drink a Cosmopolitan or whatever. And I was just sitting there like, I guess I'm just a total weirdo and yep. a total outsider nope. and, and totally alone. You'll never connect with people on a normal level because they like shit like sex in the city. Yes. And just, and so things like this, it just, my heart yeah. grows 10 sizes every time I hear anything about it. Cause it's like, we have our people. We yeah. just didn't know that they were out there. Well, the most fun is that we're the most popular ones out of the entire group of people because we're the host of this podcast. What? Oh, you mean of everybody? Yeah, because <laughs> like, that's because we started uh, going back to feeding our ego, <laughs> and it's nice that we're the we're the bot, like we're the heads. So. I have to say, yeah. So over fun. one quick conversation where you were like, "We should do a podcast," and yeah. I was like, "Okay." And then here's why I love Georgia Hardstark because then she actually does it. <laughs> Whereas- I wish like 
Yeah, <laughs> I would have. It would taken me four years to actually <laughs> really make a plan or be like, no, let's actually do it. I, I'd love to go to little little tiny Georgia and say, someday you're going to talk about murder and people are going to listen to you. <laughs> she would have been like, yes, that's fucking awesome. Georgia, stop cursing. You're just a tiny little thing. Uh, yay. yay. Find us on places and thanks for listening. We love you. Stay sexy. Yeah.